Blog Talk Radio. What we need is some sort of revolution. Pain and greed, there's gotta be retribution. Do we all Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the State and Sports Podcast. Uh, we are going to talk the NFL draft tonight. I am Sean Kernan, joined as always by Torsten Sporn. What is going on, Torsten? Uh, well, another day in paradise. Another weekend comes to an end and another draft is over. It was a good one, though. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things that happened this weekend. Yeah, there was uh, a surprisingly few number of trades during the NFL draft. A lot of teams sat back and just made their picks. Only two trades in the first round. But uh, there was a lot of uh, interesting uh, happenings, a lot of, a lot of um, players going to some interesting spots. Obviously, the biggest news to me, arguably the biggest news coming out of the draft, would be Lyle Collins going undrafted. Uh, due to an unfortunate circumstance uh, in which a young lady lost her life as well as a baby. Um, and Lyle Collins, time will tell us if he had anything to do with it. But certainly if he had no, if he, had, if he was not in, involved in that situation at all, it is quite unfortunate for him to have basically gone from a pretty surefire first-round pick to an undrafted player. That was pretty surprising and, and really, in, I don't want to say interesting because it was, it's a really unfortunate circumstance, but it was certainly something to keep an eye on throughout the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not, well, I am surprised he went undrafted, but it looks like the kid got what he wanted there since he did request to uh be removed from the draft. The NFL kind of declined that request uh, to remove him from the draft and instead let him enter the supplemental draft later. But, uh, you know, uh, it, indications are right now it doesn't look like he had anything to do with it, and I certainly hope not. But uh, it's a tragedy, and it's kind of a it's a dark cloud that kind of hangs over what otherwise could be a pretty positive weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's start as we often do in the uh, the Homer side of things. Why don't you go ahead and go on your rant as to why the, you believe the Rams are the worst organization in football uh, based on the fact that they drafted Todd Gurley in the first round? Oh, well, since you put it that way. Look, I, uh, I hate the pick. I don't hate the player. I think that Todd Gurley is, uh, you know, a fantastic talent. Um, but it, it's the rationalizations that the media is giving it. You know, oh, he could be the best running back to come out of the draft since Adrian Peterson. Well, they said that about Trent Richardson, too. And, I mean, you know, talk about the astute bit of business that the Cleveland Browns did in, in uh, turning him around for a first-round pick. You know, you just never really know with running backs. And, yeah, there's, you know, there's some real big upside when it comes to Gurley. You know, he – he kind of runs like a combination of a bulldozer and a Ducati. You know, he can run away from you, he can run over you. But uh, it was probably the farthest thing from an area of need that the Rams had. And with the team that needs, that has glaring needs at other positions, um, I uh, I didn't think that and it was a very smart pick at all. But, you know, Jeff Fisher and Les Snead are two 
big, big ego guys, and they love to have them. They love to be talked about. They love to have their names in the spotlight. And you know that's fine. Um, they have made some good decisions in the past, some bad ones. Uh, in their defense, uh, the girly pick might end up actually working out. And like I told you when, when I was uh, bitching and moaning about it, if they go and spend the next three or four picks on the offensive line and make good choices there, then you can start to really justify the girly pick. And they did pick up some guys. I don't necessarily agree with the specific guys that they picked up. I think Robert Havenstein is a pretty is a potentially very good player, but I think they probably could have gotten him in the third round. I don't know why they bothered with Jamon Brown because I I don't see him. He's a guy that I think you know would struggle to make the team based on some of the other guys they have. Um, the best value I think they got as far as their uh, draft and well, it's, it's a tie. I think they got excellent value uh, by drafting Bryce Hager, the Baylor linebacker, who was uh, an all-around stud on a defense that really wasn't anything to write home about. And I like Cody Wickman from Fresno State. Every time, I, every time I saw Fresno State play, you know, he looked like he was holding up against some of the best players in the country, and that includes Leonard Williams. So, you know, uh, I don't think they completely botched the draft. I think it got off to a dodgy start with Gurley, but, uh, you know, time will tell how the rest of it plays out. And I'll say this also. I love the Sean Mannion pick. Um, if I had the choice between him and Garrett Grayson, I would have gone Grayson. But uh, since he was off the board... I think Mannion is pretty much a facsimile of Nick Foles, so Foles departs in free agency. Then, you know, they kind of have a uh, ready-made guy who was an understudy for a year, um, hopefully to step in there. I think that he's pro-ready. You know, he could step in and be the backup right away. I, uh, I'm i confident in that. So uh, that's, I guess, probably less of a rant than you were expecting from me, but uh, since you were nice enough to give me the opportunity, I'd like to know what your thoughts are on your uh, – I guess you're kind of a double homer, so we'll go with uh, Cowboys and then Patriots for you. Let me start with the Rams there, and I I understand the, the up in arms about picking Todd Gurley, certainly not a need. Uh, I believe that the Rams, I was a little surprised they didn't pick a defensive back in the draft, but I do like that they added a, a bunch of offensive linemen, and and, you know, if one or two of them really shake out, then that's kind of a win for them. They went back to the well, got another Missouri, you know, local kid for as a wide receiver in Sasser. We'll see what he turns out as. And I love the pick they made with the quarterback. I think that's going to turn out really well. Uh, as far as me, I am a Cowboys and a Patriots fan. That is well known. Um, I went down and I wrote down some teams of the drafts I really liked and drafts I really didn't like. And the Patriots, as far as drafts I really liked, there were seven drafts that I was a big fan of. And Patriots and Cowboys actually both fit into that for me. I, you know, you talk about the fact that they don't have, they didn't draft a running back, and there's lots of people talking about that. But I think they did a pretty good job with the draft as a whole. I heard of people after the first day kind of knocking them a little bit for the pick of Byron Jones, who I, who I think is going to be a good fit. Slide right in as a nickel corner, very athletic, could be pretty really good for them. And I heard plenty of people saying they should have gone out and picked up, you know, somebody on the defensive line, maybe Randy Gregory. But they've got Randy Gregory in the second round. And then they, Chaz Green is out of Florida. is you know, somebody that, 
could I, I was rooting, rooting for them to pick up another guy in the offensive line. They've got the you know arguably the best offensive line in all of football, and adding more depth to that is going to be a plus for them. And at this point in time, with the offensive line they're creating, the running back behind it is not is going to mean is going to mean is going to have less and less of an impact. It's not to say that the running backs, you know, won't do well. I think the running backs will do well, but who it is, I think, means less because that offensive line is is going to be so great. A guy like Darren McFadden could actually have a career year behind this offensive line, so I don't think they really needed to pick up a running back. And who knows, maybe a guy like Adrian Peterson ends up there at some point. But I like what the Cowboys did. Now, when you talk about the Patriots, uh, when they actually got in the first round. The person I was rooting, I was had put in my mock. It's actually kind of funny. In my mock draft, I had Malcolm Brown going to the Cowboys and Byron Jones going to the Patriots. In actuality, that got flipped. I think this, the Patriots got an absolute steal in Malcolm Brown. They had some uh, more guys, uh, defensive line and Janio uh, Grissom and Trey Flowers coming up. You know, two defensive ends, and they just added a ton of guys that just fit their their system well. Um, you know, they, Trey Jackson is a guy who the perfect type of body for the interior offensive line. They pick up a good safety in Jordan Richards out of Stanford. And the, the pick of the draft could, if Joe Cardona can get, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the proper word of the exemption he needs, help me out there, Torsten. Uh, I have no idea what you're looking for, but uh, that was going to be one of the picks that I highlighted for New England. It's something I love that they did. Yeah, he he needs to get uh, if he if he gets his uh, naval service oh, yeah. amendment waived. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. He needs a deferment of his military obligation. It's exactly. uh, if, if, they, they have a technical term for it. But. Yeah, if he gets that, uh, I think you texted me saying that you, like, all that he. Instantly becomes the best long snapper in in the league and in a team and in a sport that's becoming more and more specialized. A long snapper like that could go his entire career completely unnoticed, and that's exactly what you want from a long snapper. Somebody who just does his job and nobody ever pays attention to because there's not a bad snap from him. I think that's somebody that could really help a team who really didn't have a whole lot of weaknesses. I would have liked to see them at a running back as well. But getting Malcolm Brown to really fit in and take over for uh, the Vince Wilfrick role, and that is just depth of that, that offensive line, defensive line, and just the team all around, I was really a big fan of it. I uh, I like what the Cowboys and the Patriots did too. And, I mean, I, I don't really have a dog in either fight there. But uh, I'm a big fan of drafting for needs, you know, because the need it, it, it's self-evident in the word. Um, you have a vacancy on the team that somebody very important was filling. They've departed for greener pastures or retired or been traded or whatever. And now there's a hole there. The draft is the perfect opportunity to pick up a bright young star that can step right in there. Malcolm Brown can do that in the Vince Wilfork uh, role at defensive tackle for the Patriots. I think that was an excellent grab for them. Not to mention he was mocked to go by a lot of uh, well-respected guys you know, probably 10, 12 picks higher than he went. So the value is there. Talented guy. 
And uh, what you said about Joe Cardona, the lung snapper, here's the thing about lung snapping. It's, you know, it's, it, it's not noticed on an extra point. It's not noticed on a chip shot field goal. But if you can rifle that snap back there accurately to the punter every single time, you're not going to get any kicks blocked. You're not going to get any kicks shanked. It's a huge field position win. And, uh, you know, it was it was an example of Belichick and his team deciding they wanted a guy and using a fifth-round pick on a long snapper. That's practically unheard of. I think it – I saw on ESPN that it had been done once before, maybe twice before. But that's uh, – you know, that's an example of them targeting somebody that they wanted and making sure that they got him. I also like what the Cowboys did. Um, they identified needs in the secondary. So, you know, they, they I'm not as high on Byron as, uh, as some of the other cornerbacks in the draft are because I don't think the upside is there, but the floor is pretty high. So, you know, the Randy Gregory pick in the second round, this is a guy that was a potential top ten pick. And, you know, an edge rusher, linebacker is an obvious need in Dallas. So, they targeted positions. Of, they targeted holes that they had to fill, and that's how I think competitive teams run drafts. And it's evident. If you look at the, the Patriots are a Super Bowl team, you know, many times over in the last decade, and they target needs. The Cowboys, they haven't been, you know, up until last season they were struggling for a little bit, but they are a playoff team. They came a very questionable call away from advancing further in the playoffs, and they target needs, and that's why I get so bent out of shape about the Rams not targeting needs is because they, you know, they make ego picks. The team hasn't been good for a decade. It's time to stop, you know, stop with the ego and look where you need guys and get good prospects for those positions. Now let's move in just to, the, you know, away from the Homer side of things and really dive into it. Uh, is there one team that stood out above all others as, uh, that had a great draft for you? Uh, yes, definitely. And that's the Chicago Bears. Um, they were pretty much a dumpster fire last year. Um, I don't know how much of it can be blamed on Mark Tressman or an aging defense, but you know they, uh, they're another team that I think filled a lot of needs. Uh, Brandon Marshall is no longer, so they went and got Kevin White, and it's debatable whether he or Amari Cooper was the best wide receiver, or you could even say you know, Devontae Parker's in that conversation too. But one of the top three wide receivers in, uh, in the draft, they uh, – addressed a horrible defensive line, which was a huge contributor to giving up five yards a carry last season. They got Eddie Goldman, who was one of the top defensive tackles available. They filled a huge hole at center with Jaronis Grasso, and Roberto Garza had to be probably, you know, the worst offensive line on that team. But Brian De La Puente came a close second. So, you know, that, that's a guy that can slot into immediately. Huge hole in the secondary. Adrian Amos can come in and start from day one. I think they got four guys that are going to be starting when in, uh, in week one. And that's, you know, that that's a huge deal if you can make that kind of progress in one draft. I still think there's some issues with the team overall, but I think they did a great job uh, filling needs and getting guys with a lot of potential, not just to play well at the beginning, but to continue to grow and become stars. Absolutely. I love what the Bears did. And, you know, you got in Jeremy Langford to take some of the, the – Toll off of Matt Forte is a great fit. He's, he's going to got good hands out of the backfield, very explosive. He's a perfect fit for that Bears offense. Um, I absolutely loved Eddie Goldman in the, in the uh, second round. I thought that was an absolute steal. I had him going in the first round. Really liked that there. Um, for me, the team that, that stood out above all others, and this pain me, pains me a little bit to say it, but if you only look at the top four picks, 
I absolutely loved what the New York Jets did. Um, I, you know, I, I mentioned to you when, when we were watching the draft a little bit that I did get the first eight picks right out of my mock draft, and I was and one of those picks that I was had that very few did was I had Leonard Williams falling to pick six and going to the Jets. Um, I I just didn't see him fitting any of the other teams all that all that well. And you can argue the Jets got the best player in the draft at the sixth overall pick. They come back in round two. The, this they have uh, they added Brandon Marshall this off season. They already had Eric Decker, and now you add Devin Smith uh, as a guy. You know, it's a, a great you know three per, three man uh, wide receiver core there. I really like Lorenzo Maldine out of Louisville. Somebody who you know, is going to be an excellent outside linebacker, can both play a little bit in coverage and uh, get after the quarterback. And then they go on and they get Bryce Petty out of Baylor. Um, I, the, definitely some questions as to what he's going to be able to do in the NFL. But when your starting quarterback is Geno Smith, you need to bring somebody else in there. And I think that Bryce Petty you know, could very well take over that job from the Jets. I think they added a lot of, of quality talent. Not to mention you had uh, some offensive line help and Jarvis Harrison in the fifth round, and then you go ahead and get a six foot four, three hundred twenty one pound guy out of a northwestern state in Deion uh, Simon. He, he had some injury issues. He, he's not a, a young guy. He's a little bit older than you typically expect, but and he came out of a small school. But when you look at a guy that's six four, three twenty one as a potential nose tackle on your practice squad, I think they did really well. Oh, they definitely did, and uh, I think the fact that they got Leonard Williams is uh, they had to feel like they got a winning lottery ticket on that one. I did not see him going past Jacksonville, though I can't fault Jacksonville for taking Dante Fowler. I think the Jets did well, and uh, I think a lot of the questions surrounding Bryce Petty's arm strength are a little bit overblown. You know, you don't have to have Joe Flacco's arm strength and be able to wing the ball 75 yards down the field. You just got to hit your receivers when they're open. Although it's funny, you know, with the Jets and uh, incumbent starter Geno Smith, it might be worth noting that he did finish the season last year with a near-perfect passer rating. He went something like 22 for 27 with three touchdowns. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe 2015 will be his year. I don't know. But I do like what the Jets did. I think uh, I think they're serious about getting better. You have to, you know, with Rex Ryan, you kind of had to wonder for a while there exactly how serious everybody was taking their jobs. It just seemed like it seemed like it was a chemical spill out there year after year. But you know, it, I think that the team got very serious about getting better this offseason, getting Brandon Marshall, and they took the draft seriously and ended up with some very good players. All right, now in the last 10 minutes we have here, let's start to dive into who butchered the draft to you. Who was the worst team, uh, worst draft out of all 32 teams? You know, I don't think anybody really quote-unquote butchered it. But, you know, I was reading uh, some draft reviews online, and the 49ers got some very high marks that I don't think they deserved. Um, I think that Eric Armstead is a, you know, a, a potential very solid contributor on the defensive line, but he's very raw. He's going to need development. Um, and if that team wants to compete again immediately, he's not going to be a huge contributor in 2015. And then they spent their second round pick on Jaquiski Tart, who's a safety out of Samford. He was a monster in the senior bowl. He, that's pretty much where that was his coming out party. 
But they have Eric Reed and Antoine Bethea already at safety, two very solid contributors. So one has to wonder why, if they were going to go secondary, why they went with a safety. And you really, in the NFL draft, cannot miss on your first two picks. Those are the you know those are the guys. If you hit on a fourth or fifth rounder and you get a guy who's a solid contributor as a starter, that's a winning lottery ticket. But you expect that. That's what's demanded in the first with your first two picks that you're getting starters. And I don't think they got any starters out of their first two picks. I mean, Armstead, like I said, is potentially going to be a very good player long term, maybe in 2016 or 17. But you know, he doesn't fill an immediate hole. He's not going to play a lot, I don't think, his rookie year. And I wonder where Jaquiski Tart fits. Uh, he might also be a very good player, but unless they trade Reed or Bethea or maybe move one of those guys over to a nickelback, um, you know, that's a guy that seems to have landed on the wrong team for me. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the 49ers? I actually disagree. I have actually read a lot of things uh, critiquing and criticizing the San Francisco 49ers, and I like what they did. I'm higher on Armstead than a lot of people. Uh, I think I have him going to the Giants at uh, number nine just because he's got the, he's the long and lean type of guy, much like the Kiwanuka, the uh, Justin Tuck types coming out that they've had in the past. I think he fits in well. Yes, he, he's not going to be a guy that maybe is a, a starter right away. But I think that that's okay. I, I think and I think it's okay because of what they did the rest of of the draft. They were sitting at fifteen. They traded back a couple of picks. Still got the guy they were targeting in Eric Armstead. I think he's a really good fit for them. And then Tart, I think, is a guy that will start off as a the third safety and a guy that comes in in nickel packages or uh, plays a little bit closer to the line at, at times and becomes a uh, a. A guy that plays behind the middle linebacking position that they didn't get the inside linebackers that they really needed. They they got an outside linebacker in Eli Harold. They didn't get the inside linebackers after losing Patrick Willis and um, Chris Borland Borland. to retirement. And you bring in uh, Tart, who's a guy who can play downhill and and play the run. I think that's actually a good fit for what they need as kind of a a safety linebacker duo, as a a true strong safety. It actually fits what they need. And then they they get Eli Harold, who I think could start day one. And then when they traded back with the Chargers, they added an extra pick, which they got Blake Bell, who I think is a guy uh, who could actually be be a, a solid tight end. Um, I actually like what the 49ers did. The team that I didn't understand what they did was the Indianapolis Colts going with Philip Dorsett, who was basically uh, given uh, comparisons to uh, T.Y. Hilton, who the Colts already have, and it's the one position they didn't need any help at was wide receiver. Um, the, The Colts keep our, our playoff team because they have Andrew Luck and are in a very weak division. And then they go out and they spend a first-round pick on a guy who at the, at the one position that they didn't need, and they didn't have a second-round pick. So you needed to go ahead and do something with that first-round pick to really help your team. Go out and protect your, your stud quarterback in Andrew Luck. Get an offensive lineman. There were plenty of them there. But you go out and get the one position – that I felt had the least amount of need in wide receiver outside of quarterback to them. 
they already have Andre Johnson. They already have T.Y. Hilton. They brought in Jerron Carter this offseason. I don't understand what they were doing going with a wide receiver pick number one. I like C.J. Smith as a cornerback from Florida Atlantic, but, again, that's one of the back-end needs for them. They didn't approach uh, offensive line until round seven. They you know, brought in Frank Gore this year, who was only really a one- or two-year fix, and they didn't get a running back until Josh Robinson under Mississippi State, who I don't think is going to be an impact for them. Didn't bring in talent at the positions they needed. Uh, if I were them, at the pick 29, if I could have, I would have traded back, added picks because they need talent, and they just didn't get it, and they spent the first-round pick at a position that they don't need him. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I am actually quite high on Philip Dorsett. I think he's going to be a great player in the league. But one of the guys that you also didn't mention that uh, Indianapolis has has is uh, last year's second-round pick, Dante Moncrief, who really showed some flashes. And I think if he works hard and, you know, continues to develop, he could be a superb receiver and step into that number two spot when Andre Johnson retires in a year or two. But, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Indianapolis uh, did the draft as best as, as best they could. Um, I don't think yeah, and they... I, I want to say I wasn't knocking Philip Dorsett at all. I think that he's got a very good skill set. I just don't like where he went. Yeah, and that's fair enough. I agree with that. Now, in the last uh, five minutes that we have here, let's go ahead and take a look at, you know, and the draft finishes up. You look at who won, who lost, and, of course, you start looking ahead to your fantasy team. Um, what Were there any players who really increased their value based on the fit that they landed at uh, in fantasy for you? Who who really stands out to you uh, as you start to look ahead towards fantasy football season? Well, uh, a guy that I'll be targeting in my drafts, uh, it, it, this may be stating the obvious, but as Melvin Gordon, I don't think there's a whole lot in front of him in San Diego as far as uh, competition for the number one back. He's well-rounded. Uh, Phil Rivers is an excellent veteran quarterback. I think that he's going to produce immediately from day one. Um, he can, you know, and especially in PPR leagues, he's very good, very good catching the ball out of the backfield. And I think that he ended up in the ideal situation. Now, Gordon uh, is a pretty elite talent there. Um, he's, he, in my opinion, he should be mentioned in the exact same breath as Todd Gurley, and he doesn't have the injury uh, concern with the knee. Um, he's, uh, I, I think he landed in absolutely the perfect situation. I couldn't, if, if, if I were, uh, I don't know, if I were his agent, say, for example, I, I would be doing cartwheels down the street in my underwear because he the, he's going to parlay that into a very, very lucrative free agent deal in four or five years. That's uh, that, that, to me, is the one guy that stood out. Uh, one other guy that I really am intrigued by is Tyler Lockett. He's a wide receiver that the Seattle Seahawks took in the third round. Um, that's another situation where a guy comes in and there's not a whole lot ahead of him, you know, like, I, I I don't know that uh, Ricardo Lockett, no relation, is, is much of a threat. Doug Baldwin is a halfway decent player. But, you know, this is a guy who could start from day one. He's got excellent return skills. So, uh, you know, if you play in a league where return yards are valued, um, obviously return touchdowns are going to be valued. Um, he's another guy that could come in and contribute from day one. Um, I don't want to take all the time. I, I want to make sure that you have a, a few minutes here to talk about guys you like, too. Who do you like as far as uh, – rookie fantasy contributors in 2015. Now, a guy that you and I both really like, and, it, and whether or not he's valuable on the fantasy landscape, really comes down to what position eligibility he has. 
but I really like where Devin Funches uh, wound up uh, with Carolina uh, putting another big target opposite the opposite side of um, Calvin Benjamin, another big target for Cam Newton to throw to. He's a wide receiver. Uh, I don't think he's all that going to be all that valuable. If he ends up playing in line and, and comes and is listed as a tight end in your fantasy league, I think he could be a really good value. It could be uh, sneaky productive. But there's actually one team who picked up two. Did you want to make a comment on just real quick? Yeah, I, uh, you know, you pretty much covered it. Uh, if he has tight end eligibility, he's going to be a, an incredible asset. I remember 10 years ago I was playing in a league, and Marcus Colston had tight end eligibility on uh, on the New Orleans Saints. And the guy that luck sacked into that, well, I shouldn't call him lucky, I guess. He made a very astute pick by uh, – and he drafted him. He didn't pick him up as a rookie free agent or anything like that. And, you know, you're talking about a, a rookie wide receiver who comes in with tight end eligibility and gets double-digit touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. Th- those kind of decisions win you fantasy football leagues and thereby win you money. So, it, uh, like you said, again, it comes down to position eligibility. If he's a tight end, he can be a real fine. And now the other two guys that jumped out to me, both landed on the same team. That's the Miami Dolphins. I think Devontae Parker lining up opposite Jarvis Landry. I like Ryan Tannehill. I think he's underrated. Adding Devontae Parker I think is a really good fit. He could be one of the better fantasy wide receivers to start the year. And don't sleep on Jay Ajayi. He fell to day three because of concerns about his knee. Uh, but from what I've heard, it's about the, the how, how the knee's going to hold up in the long term. There's concern because it's a little bit of bone on bone there. Uh, it may be, you know, his career may only be a season or, or a couple of seasons. But in a team that has Lamar Miller as the starting running back right now, I could see Jay Ajayi, who's a first round talent, being a sneaky late round pick in fantasy that ends up getting you some really good points. And with that, yeah, we're running out of time. Go ahead. Quickly. I was going to say I agree with that. I had him on my list, too. But my list was pretty long, so I kept with two guys. <laughs> I'm sure we'll dive into other rookie uh, fantasy guys later on. But for now, that's it, talking about the NFL draft. Uh, thank you all for listening. Yep, thanks, everybody. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter.